We the bestest cast with the left twist. Fat, fairly well dressed. Put me on the guest list. The guest list. Uh, yeah, on the guest list. Yeah. Uh. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another week of On the Guest List with White Sox Dave Fox trying to get down Kenny Carkeet and Dante. Before we get started, moment of silence for the Queen. All right, that was enough. Dave, what were you saying about the Queen before we started? I don't give a shit about her. The only funny thing I saw today, have you, and it's, it's a baseball scene, but not a baseball movie. I hope to God you guys have all seen the naked gun. This is ma- oh my oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, it's one of the all time funny movies. I think the naked gun two and a half, I think it is, but yeah. uh, Reggie Jackson, he's like the robot and he he's going to kill the queen. He's like brainwash or whatever. He tweeted out today. He's like, I told you guys I didn't do it. And <laughs> like that. that was the funniest fucking thing I saw about it all day. Everybody's like crying and acting like they give a shit. I <laughs> like I, if you're British, like be sad, do whatever you want. I don't care. If you're American and, and spend one second of thinking about this, like I hate you and I hope you die. Out <laughs> it was a thousand years old at least. You know, oh, what I, mean? I mean, that's what old people do. They Dude, die. Like, what did she die from? What do you mean? What do you want? <laughs> Time? She, old, <laughs> she died from being on the earth for too long. Wasn't she like healthy as could be though? Like a week ago? She was a healthy 96 year old. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the right way to put it. That's the right two, way. Da- two days ago, she introduced the new prime minister of England because they just turned over from Boris Johnson to a new prime minister. And she was there. And then now she's not. Um <laughs> <laughs> that was good smoking that queen elizabeth pack <laughs> Ken dogs back baby queen. oh my god we do have a we have a great interview today uh we have my buddy dave silver from wreck philly now wreck miami uh for those of you who don't know i am from philadelphia i don't know if you've gathered that at this fucking point but there's a great creative collective in philadelphia called wreck philly they're expanding and they just got backing from the one the only puff daddy diddy love sean combs is now on their board of directors, uh, and they're expanding. It's a big story in my city, and these guys are my fucking boys. So Dave is on. Also, we have another guest host today because Dante's in fucking Italy. Kenny, would you like to introduce our guest? This is my boy, Rockwell. He and I toured together, what was that, 2011? 2012. 2012, kind of when like AWOL starting to explode. Uh, Rockwell is DJing for a guy named Zeely, who's still raging today, who's awesome. We became quick buds and been friends ever since. That was fucking 10 years ago. Yep. Uh, I know Rock does a lot of music stuff on his page with NPCs and cool shit. And he works with other artists and rappers. And then he's got his own music podcast and things like that. So we thought it'd be cool to do a cross plat today. What's up, Rock? That. Welcome aboard. Thanks for having me. Excited. This is, yeah, the, uh, the other show I'm on is uh, through Be Real TV uh called mm-hmm. we don't smoke the same and i close out the shows with beats and occasionally guest hosts as well so i was telling rock about this we were on the phone earlier today i don't know if i've ever been as high as i was with be real and i've told that story before where like it took an entire 16 week tour to be able to smoke with them the very last day 10 minutes before i went on stage and i found my limit <laughs> <laughs> oh well, like but i was gonna say i got to actually go to one of those shows uh when you were in texas Oh. Holy shit, that was how many people were in that stadium? 20,000 or so. 12. Like 12 people were there to see Kenny play. It was Yo. amazing. <laughs> I, I can't fathom. Like, I think the biggest crowd I ever did was a little over 7,000. And, like, my knees did the fucking cartoon shaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where was that show? 
Uh, that was in New Braunfels. That was uh, opening for Girl Talk. Oh, no. Ooh. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was definitely a, a crazy time. But yeah, I was nervous and completely sober. If I had been like, not just high, but like smoked with somebody famous for getting high high, I think I would have just gotten up there and just been like, hey, guys, my <laughs> show tour, I'm just going to dial this one in. You know Imagine. what? By, the, by, the, by that show, which was all, I think one of my very last shows with AWOL, I just... I didn't know it at the time, but everybody had told me I was just checked out. I didn't really care about anything. I was just, I was so fucking high. And I, was, I remember being like, oh my God, I'm going to make so many mistakes. And I don't care. Maybe that was the beginning of my don't care vibes. I just don't fucking and It's care. all been downhill from there. Yeah, like, who cares? What's the point? <laughs> hey, what's the highest you've ever been on camera? Has there ever been a moment where fucked up? Like on the camera, you- not very at all. I mean, I don't smoke weed. All right, drunk. Just, dr- drunk. <laughs> Probably when I was in Putten Bay. Oh last, my last god! Day, I was beyond fucked up for that video. Like I, I watched it back, and it took like two months to edit it. I, wa- I watched it back, and I couldn't. I was like slurring my words, like I just got out of getting a cavity filled. Like, Bro, I couldn't talk. there's a one. There's a one scene from that fucking thing where there's this girl in like an American flag bikini, like grinding on Dave, and it just slowly pans up to Dave's face, and he's like. Just that, <laughs> I was like, "Yo, and I mean, you guys aren't from the Midwest." I didn't even know this place existed until like a year, year and a half ago. It's in, it's in the middle of Lake Erie. You got to take a, a ferry to get there, and it is white trash USA, and it is the most fun I've ever had in my life. Makes a lot of sense. Great, there wasn't cool. a single attractive person on that island, and I'm not, <laughs> not talking <laughs> females. Like I'm talking like me. Like Yo, there wasn't. I, I was like a ten for Putten Bay. <laughs> Dave, you're a 10 to me now. Oh, me too. None of you assholes even responded to the picture I took of Dave on our last podcast. (laughs) Wait, what are you talking about? No, because Dave Dave had eaten some edibles and I was like, dude, you don't look high at all. And then (laughs) for some reason, the camera kept going to him, even though he wasn't talking. And he was Mm -hmm. just like this. I took a photo and I sent it to the thread and I was like, you look high. Fuck. Rockwell, you missed last week. I introduced Dave. I was like, Dave, how are you, buddy? And Dave just said, fine. (laughs) all right that was sincere though like i whenever someone asks you hey how you doing it's always like oh i'm doing awesome like i'm doing great but i was just doing fine i like you know could be better could be worse yeah yeah just total girlfriend vibes of being like hey is everything okay like i'm fine it's cool no it wasn't it wasn't that i that's like that's you are in deep shit for something yep it i was just Fine. Dave's reaction said, he said, it's Wednesday. This is exactly how I want it to be. <laughs> yeah, not too high, not too low, right in the meaty part yeah. of the curve. Oh, my God. We're getting there. I There's few things in this world I love more than doing this podcast. I swear to God. Yeah. It's just such a fucking mix of people. And we're happy to have you here, Rockwell. Uh, by the way, you motherfucker, I checked you out today. The NPC skills are outrageous. Outrageous. Thank outrageous. you so much. Give me your favorite producer of all time uh favorite producer i'd have to go probably dan the automator uh oh, never too crazy, but like the the selection is always very choice i don't there's i would say it's it's, it's a it's a toss-up between him fuck who else would i put i really think i'm most influenced by dan the automator but i mean like rjd2 is another deep cut and then, philadelphia baby rjd2 the shit i was actually Dan the Automator, Doctor Octagon, Primal Scream, Deltron, Gorillas, Galactic, Teriyaki Boys, like Kasabian. The uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know if you said it already, but the original Gorillas album. Yeah. Oh, like 
Um, I was going to say, yeah, RJD2 was actually what got me into making like beats. I mean, that's that's legendary shit in my neck of the woods, bro. And I appreciate that reference because I haven't heard an RJD2 reference on the pod yet. So this is nice. Oh, damn. No, man deserves a lot more love. And uh, speaking of producers, dude, I did a video on this yesterday, but I went and hit a really great record store in Philadelphia yesterday. And I found this fucking limited edition Mad Lib and fucking MF Doom two track LP. It's fucking sick. It has the original shit for all caps of vocals and the instrumental plus like a couple unreleased things. This shit is crazy. Got it for 10 bucks. Love it. Just 10? 10 bucks, dude. Main Street Music, Philadelphia, Manion. The shit. 45 at Urban Outfitters. <laughs> oh, dude, this is, dude, you're maxing out your credit cards by the shit at Urban Outfitters, bro. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we do have a great interview today. Before that, we have a lot to talk about. And I think the number one thing we need to start with was the biggest news in the music industry over the last week. The Foo Fighters and guests and friends, Wembley Stadium, doing the Taylor Hawkins tribute shows six and a half hours. And no lie, it capped off with Shane Hawkins, Taylor's son, playing drums in front of all 90,000 people. And I fucking bawled my eyes out. No lie. In it, fucking in the sauna at the gym, all cracked out on pre-workout, sitting in the sauna with like six other dudes and just in the corner. It was a terrible moment for me, crying, watching on my phone. Um, uh, Dave, we'll start with you because I know you're a big Foo Fighters guy. Did you watch any of it yet? Yeah, I watched six and a half. I probably watched about two hours total of it, just kind of skipping through picking and choosing it was great um i've had this question and i, I was gonna wait for this show to ask it and i'll probably get i don't want to say canceled or nothing like that i saw it was a clip of taylor hawkins in the last show they did they were in brazil i believe right yeah they were overseas somewhere it was somewhere in somewhere south america south america yeah it was colombia or colombia yeah. yeah it was colombia right and he looked fucking horrible yeah like skin and bone horrible like he looked like a drug addict and why didn't they stop because like i would have said something well the thing is they they still don't know necessarily what happened like i know that there's been a lot of conjecture and there was that initial report of a toxicology thing but i I, from what i've read on the internet they're not exactly sure what's happened yet it was something with his heart and i'm not sure what it was i think we can all draw the conclusion but i'm not sure i have heard that there were rumors that he wanted off the road and things like that um, I don't know what I would do in that situation when you're basically running a corporation, which is the Foo Fighters. It's really hard it, it to kind is, of it's a corporation. Yeah. I mean, Kenny, you can speak to that. You were a part of a band that is is fucking gigantic and being on the tour on a tour like that. Like, what is that like if you were to say I need to go home? Like, I mean, there's just no chance. I mean, Foo Fighters is just they're the biggest one of the biggest bands in the history of music. Yes. So it's a hard comparison at our level. No, you can't go home. There was no going home. If you go home then you're costing them potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, 40 grand, that, a show, 50 grand a show. You miss one show, all that kind of shit. When I cut my hand open skateboarding, they got so fucking mad at me because they didn't know if we could do the next show. And it was going to cost them like $35,000. So uh, the Foo Fighters, man, I don't know. They can cancel on a dime. You know, it's tough that anybody who's been around addiction. It's like, it's just the, one of the most difficult things to deal with from both sides, whether you're the addict or the person who loves the attic you know what i mean you could have told them a million times they could have told you this they could have it could have been a million things yeah i will say this there's a lot i will say a lot of musicians pass in an untimely manner right but not everybody gets this level of outpour of support and love and i think it speaks a lot to like what kind of a dude taylor hawkins was that you could get this many superstars in one place 
just for a tribute show. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, there's you been so many loved by everybody. Did I ever tell you that I one of my I what I played probably five thousand shows, and one of the ten memories that I have of all of those shows <laughs> was Voodoo Fest. I want to say like 2014, New Orleans, New Orleans. We're playing main stage. Foo Fighters were headlining, of course. And at one point in the talkback, we heard, holy shit, Taylor Hawkins is side of stage. And he was, wa- he was watching Isaac, our drummer, I'm sure. But like one of the like few memories that I remember was being like, holy fucking shit, Taylor's watching our set. Like that meant everything to everybody loves Taylor, man. And he just I loved mean, music. It was just such an emotional time. Now, Rock, did you happen to catch any of it? I only caught the cliff notes. I saw, I saw his son jamming and that was beautiful. I, uh, I haven't had a whole lot of time this week to sit down and, and catch up, but I, I saw snippets here and there, and it, it looks really emotional. I mean, I still remember the night it happened. I had a show I was playing, and I was like, get the what? Yeah. Dude, I mean, I remember being stopped in my tracks and sitting down. I think I texted the group, like, right after that, but, like, just sitting down and being like, holy shit. Like, an unfathomable thing to happen. But more than anything, like, just – Watching his son drum exactly like him was just so. The first thing I saw was that, like, because I went back and watched it after. But the first clip I saw was that, and immediately I was like, "Holy fuck!" He makes the same faces as his dad. Head bangs like his dad. Hits hard as a mother motherfucker, dude. Heats up and slows down. I thought it was really like a great moment where there was actually a point in like the breakdown towards the end of the song before they, he started letting loose where he started to slow a little bit. His, his hi-hat foot just started to slow a little bit and Grohl slowed down a little bit and they made eye contact. And right before he goes into that fucking drum roll, Grohl just screams his name and says, punch it. And he fucking goes. Dude, Shane. Dude, whatever, my yeah. God. And I just fucking lost it. I, I I absolutely lost it, and but I mean there were so many moments like Rush reuniting for the first time since Neil Peart died and Grohl drumming. How about uh, the learn to fly moment? What'd you say? The learn to fly moment. I didn't see that. Though the one where Dave Grohl breaks down in the middle. Yeah, of, he was oh, crying. that was yeah. uh, that was times like these. That's what it was. Yeah, times like these. Like <laughs> times like these. Um, and then like Liam Gallagher coming out in yeah, Wembley yep. and doing yeah. a couple songs, which yeah. was incredible. That's them crooked special. vultures, dude, them crooked vultures. It was John Paul Jones, fucking Josh Hame and Dave Grohl on stage for the first time in 10 years. And then Paul McCartney comes out with Chrissy Hines and the pretenders and they do. Oh, darling. Like, first off, I want to talk to either Shiflet or somebody who was involved in that and say, like, how did you do six and a half hours? Cause they were all out there basically the entire time. That's insanity. Like, could you imagine doing anything for six and a half hours? Bar bands don't even do it straight. Do you know what I'm talking about? They take breaks. Like, that was just, I don't know, man. Like, there's there's rare moments where there's just pure love and joy somewhere. And and that was, that was fucking incredible to see. Did anybody have, like, I mean, my favorite moment was obviously my hero. But other than that, did anybody else have another favorite moment that they saw? Dave, we'll start with you. Like, do you have anything that stood out to you? No, I, I just kept asking questions. Like, so what's Shane's deal moving forward, you think? Now, that's a great question because uh, Christopher Mintz Plus, uh, yeah. Kenny's friend, Kenny's guy. commented on our post and was like, not only did he do it, he's doing it with a purpose because I guarantee you he's the Foo Fighters drummer in two years. That's what I'm saying. He's going to be, right? Once he, he, I mean, and they'll, and they'll protect him like the fucking... Absolutely. Like he's their son, you know? Absolutely. I, I can't see a world where he's not the Foo Fighters drummer. He's got to be. He's got to be. And but like, with what happened to his dad, and and I I think 
and obviously with Kurt Cobain going all the way back 30 years or whatever, like, I think it's going to be like, no more of this. Like, yeah, I mean, I shit. If you guys are into this, get the fuck out. If you want to keep going, stay the fuck in. I mean, Shane will be the drummer. I, after what we just witnessed, I don't see a world where he's not, you know what I mean? Like that kid, that kid has it. He absolutely fucking has it. He's 16. Yeah. He's only 16. Yeah. That's old enough. I mean, the rock star lifestyle. That's well, that's it's a it's not an easy gig. But I I will say, though, you're not dealing with like 25, 30 year old rock stars. You're dealing with dudes who are 50 pushing 60 who are now parents and show on their. They're not they're not out here. I mean, Grohl's been saying it for years. He stopped drinking a while ago before shows and stuff like that. Like you're dealing with basically a corporation on the road. Like they're they're not going to allow any of that nonsense. But like. I mean, if they can get Pat Smear to clean his act up, they can get anybody to clean his act up. I tell you about the up, funny you know? thing Grohl said? We opened for them in Austin. Rock, I don't know if you were there. Was that I wasn't there for that one. When was this? Was outdoors. I think it was like a part of an ACL show or whatever it was. The point is, fucking Dave Grohl walks onto stage and goes, what's up? We're the Foo Fighters. I'm going to play some fucking hits. And then they just go like, <laughs> and you're like, so hardcore. That's so sick. I'm going to play some fucking hits. <laughs> I mean, how do you, like, if you're the Foo Fighters and you have a new album out, you got to play two hours of hits and sprinkle in one or two new ones, like at that point. You know what I mean? Um, but no, I mean, that's kind of stopped the music industry and its tracks this weekend. Like, there's nothing else that you can even talk about before that. Um, but I mean, we're, are we in a dead period right now for new releases? Like, there's nothing. I mean, Harry Styles just played his tenth straight show at fucking Madison Square Garden. He's playing which, five straight here next week. Yo, I, I gotta mean, tell you that fucking the memes that are going around, unbelievable. Styles and Chris Pine are so fucking good. Unfucking believable. Wait, I mean, wait, 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 hold on. What did I miss? So there at the Venice Film Festival, there's like a video clip where it certainly looks like Harry Styles walks up to Chris Pine sitting. In- <laughs> oh, I thought you said Chris Pontius. No, no, no. no. I was like, whoa, whoa. The whoa. Wild Boys. How <laughs> jackass. The last. I was like, hold on. If there's a jackass and Harry Styles collab going down, I'm in. <laughs> I thought you get on board with Harry Styles. <laughs> oh my god! But no, I mean, I'm the whole thing with that movie seems like a motherfucking shit show. Um. Other than that, I mean, Kanye's been going absolutely nuts on Twitter. I feel like I wish Dante was here for this because Dante's been covering this. Like, don't make me like him. I mean, he's fucking out here. Um, did you happen to see anything with the 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 Bow Wow situation? No. So apparently, Bow Wow's been charging people a thousand dollars for a meet and greet on his tour or some shit like that. Holy and everybody, do you know the old thing? It's like, would you take uh, $500,000 or a lunch with Jay Z? You ever heard that old, like, the thing that goes around Twitter? Yeah, it's no. like, yeah, obviously, it's a half mil, but everybody's like, no, I would take and gain that knowledge from that dinner with Jay Z. Everybody's oh, like, <laughs> everybody's like, yeah, would you take a free chicken sandwich from Popeyes or have the thousand dollar lunch with fucking Bow Wow? And I'm like, this poor guy just gets shit on so fucking regularly it's unbelievable um so other than that uh obviously four years yesterday was the anniversary of mac miller's death which was uh, i mean we're covering a lot of death today between the queen and taylor hawkins and mac miller uh the queen's at the bottom of my list as far as deaths that impacted me in this situation (laughs) yo have you seen twitter since the queen died yeah 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 yo i've been off it all day is it a mess get on it it go dude right now black twitter is trending yeah. Go on Twitter, click the black Twitter trend. You have hours of entertainment. It's fucking incredible. By the way, Dave, you're Irish, right? I am. Do the Irish hate the queen? I mean, I I don't know enough about like 
uh, UK geopolitical <laughs> bullshit. Uh, I do know that I I was baptized uh, Lutheran, but I'm oh. Irish, which is like a big fucking deal. It was at least like you know decades and decades ago. But um, my grandma's orange Irish. She's from Northern Ireland. And, yeah, so uh, is my wife's family are from Northern Ireland as well. Yeah, so they fucking hate their guts. But yeah. like, I haven't called up my grandma. Hey, grandma, you happy the fucking? Queen died? <laughs> like, I don't think she probably gives a shit either. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I I do know there's a lot of people that are like, oh fuck this bitch. I'm glad she's dead. Like a lot of people, like an alarming amount. Of- First off, I will say though, like I do enjoy. I I wish that throughout history we could there could have been Twitter for when like famous people died. Like when Hitler died, like if there was Twitter, could you imagine the takes that people would be getting off, dude? Oh, oh my god! I mean, oh hey, the Donalds, he, the Donalds, what seventy four now or something? When that happens, dude, oh I remember I woke up when he got coronavirus, and this is like pre-vaccine <laughs> when you still didn't want to catch it. Like now, if you gave it to me, I'm like, oh, fuck off! Like I don't care. Mm. But um, I didn't. I, I saw Twitter going fucking crazy, and I just go. I just woke up from nap. What did I miss? And Daniel Polka, who plays for the Mets now, he was on the White Sox at the time. He goes, oh, buddy, you better buckle up. And, I like, <laughs> and all of Twitter's like, half of it was like, oh, dude, he'll be fine. It's a fake disease. And the other half's like, I hope this fucking guy gets all his lungs exploded and shit like that. <laughs> I, just, I just wish, like, throughout, like, if Geng- when Genghis Khan died, if we could have had fucking Twitter, just, like, the takes – I heard been. something like he is responsible for like a tenth of the world's population. Today. I've heard that too. Like this man was out here fucking regularly. I was going to say, yeah, if he had died while Twitter was around, there would have been so many child support memes. Oh, so many, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Cannon. <laughs> oh, when Nick no, Cannon died. Is, is Nick Cannon the, the modern Genghis Khan? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Genghis- Yo, that's, that's a Barstool headline right there. Is Nick Cannon the modern Genghis Khan? Besides like the pillaging and like, the raving and such. You know, we don't know what he does entirely in his off time. But I never, I've never talked it. to Nick Cannon to know what he does in his off time, dude. He could yeah. be out here. I do got a question though. Why, why does Black Twitter hate the Queen? I mean, her the, England's imperial past is just about as bad as ours is. Actually, probably worse because they spawned us. Um, palace is built off the back of colonialism and slavery. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of countries that hate the English. Like, a lot of countries that hate the English. I mean, yeah, they fucking t- tried taking over the world. I mean, they kind of did for a while. To, oh, they did, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean. Now they just got segregated to their little shitty fucking island. I do find that funny about England, the fact. And the thing that sucks is I know we have a decent amount of English listeners, so I apologize in advance. We do have. I, I do know one because he DMs me all the time. Yeah. Um, I personally, <laughs> I just want, my wife watches The Crown a lot. Have you ever watched The Crown on Netflix? No. Yeah, I've seen a couple of seasons. Pretty good, pretty good goddamn show. I've heard it's um, very good, yeah. But my wife loves the queen and loves the royal family. I don't give a flying fuck about the royal family. Listen, buddy, my family's from America. We, 1776 happened, so we don't have to talk about this shit. But I've been seeing a lot <laughs> of great- that one. There were, we had two wars against the English. Yeah, we had uh, the War of 1812. We had, and then the French and Indian War also was involved that, in America. That was, that's true. That is very that's, true. So three, we're three and oh against the fucking Brits. Dude, fucking- Basically, we're in the right there. We gotta, we gotta, we have to face him in war one more time for the closeout game in the series. If we're three and oh, we gotta, you know, we can't, we can't blow yeah, a three oh I mean, lead. Russia, can we take a timeout? We just gotta settle something. The queen just died, they're <laughs> really vulnerable. Like, yeah. 10 days tops. I've been seeing a lot of great memes of people being like, do football's back tonight? 
the English have to watch us play football with our hands, and the Queen died. Fuck, <laughs> America's up right now. <laughs> this is the most offensive shit ever. Fourth of July um, 2.0. Fourth of July 2.0. Uh, but other than that, I mean, like uh, JID's album came out, which was incredible. Oh, the new JID. The new JID album. Wait, hold really... on. One more thing on Go the uh, on the royal family. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. When I I vaguely, vaguely, vaguely remember Princess Diana's death. When was that? Like '96. I don't remember it at all, but it was like 96, 97. I, so, yeah, it was like 96 or so. And I remember seeing it on the news and my mom was making dinner and I go, mom, Princess Diana died. And she goes, oh, she like freaked out. People loved her, dude. And she cured AIDS. She started crying. I remember. And I'm like, wait, kings and queens are. I thought it was like a thing of fairy tales. Like I didn't know they actually existed in right. real life at the time. Yeah. Because you only saw them in like Disney movies. and shit. Who is the American royal family? Like if you had, is it the Kardashians? Yeah, they the American royal family at this point. Probably, like, oh, are yeah. You kidding? <laughs> it's definitely On South Park, they said it was the Baldwins. Do you remember that episode yeah, where yeah. they they bombed the Baldwins? And yeah, shit? that was in the movie, right? Yeah, it was in the movie. I'm trying yeah. to think like who would who would be the American? It would, I guess it would have been the Kennedys had they all not been assassinated definitely. or weird and like drive off a bridge with a hooker in their car. Dude, I'm telling um, you, unfortunately, it's the fucking Trumps. Are you oh, the most, most powerful that is honestly that is probably true. Yeah, uh, they got the most attention. Half of New York, right now, I'd say yeah. But I mean, traditional. Like I, I'm trying to think of like the last like, like this king thing's a good idea. It's a good idea. <laughs> you know he's gonna spitball that shit when he's if he if he wins again towards like the third year of his term. He's like, kings and queens, not not a bad idea, honestly. I'm just saying. I'm just. <laughs> I'd be a really good queen. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> yeah. What if we were like, yeah, you you can you can be the monarchy, but you have to be the queen. Do you think you'd be like, fuck it, let's go, time to ride out, boys? I <laughs> think it, with DJ, but yeah, yeah, I'm the best queen. I mean, I <laughs> the fact that Kanye was a part of the fucking Kardashians, that to me, like their their reach is so wide because they have all like the celebrities involved, like Kanye and Kim, fucking, they're all over the place. Who do you think is more powerful, the Trumps or the Kardashians? Oh my God! You know what? That actually kind of—that's a good on question. A, on a serious note, when when she sat down with Trump in in the Oval Office, like I was like, I actually respect her for this. I mean, she's she there for a good reason. Yeah, no, exactly. And and he heard her out and he commuted those sentences. And I was like, I actually like what just happened because it was it was civil discourse and and shit got done from it. I I man, that's a good question. As far as culturally, I don't think anybody touches the Kardashians because no, they nobody. go. Yeah, nobody, nobody touches the Kardashians, which nobody. I don't think is a good thing. I don't think it's a fucking good thing. Like it's not like, I think they've done some irreparable damage to the youth of America. Like, don't get me wrong. Also, Kanye's not there anymore, so I take my hat out of the ring as it is. My fucking yeah, dog I'm is done. gone. Out. When I my was dog there, is gone. Out. Yeah, no. If he was still there, dude, I'd be, I'd be, you know, petitioning for king, king and queenhood. He did try and be the president. Um, Damn, we got fucking off track there. Uh, before we get on the list off the list, let's go into our interview now with Dave Silver from Rec Philly. Yeah! How you feeling? Yeah! You feel all right? All right, ladies and gentlemen, on the guest list today, and this is a long time coming, owner-creator of Rec Philly, now Rec Miami, we have Dave Silver on the podcast. Dave, how are you, buddy? Uh, I'm good. I'm excited to be here. I, I love, love you. I, I want, love you too. I, that's, I don't. I don't usually start with "I love you," but I thought I'd start with "I love you" today. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is because we are in the Rec Philly space right now. This is the uh, WXBN Podcast Studio. Yep. 
Uh, we're here today, obviously, because big news just dropped yeah. for Wreck. And we'll get into what Wreck is and, and everything moving forward, but you partnered with Diddy. You partnered with fucking Diddy. I got dude, love. Uh, dude, he got love. Hold on one sec. I just gotta, I gotta do this real quick. Where is it? Let's nice. go! <laughs> oh my god! Dude, so, for, for, for the uninitiated here, you guys are launching Wreck Miami yep. with an investment from Diddy. Yep. How the fuck did this happen? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're super pumped uh, to have someone like Puff in our corner. It's, it's huge. Puff, um, you know, calm Sean, dude. It's your boy, yeah, <laughs> Mister C, as they as they might, Mister Love, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, and it's funny, you know, like if you were to ask us to make like a list of like our ideal people to be involved in this journey, you know, I think Puff is on the top five list of like any type of creator or entrepreneur or mogul, and Absolutely. so it's a dream come true to have him a part of this. Um, and what seemed to be unrealistic when you first thought of, when we first introduced the concept of it. Right. Um, and the way it came together was so authentic and natural, which is the reason really why it happens. Right. Um, it came from multi, multi angles. Um, the origin story is back when we first started this company, even before the company started, right. dates back to 2011. I was in my basement in college at Temple University. Where all great ideas start. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> in, in, in basements, college basements. I was throwing hip-hop shows. Yeah. Um, it's really how this whole business came about. And my first ever sold-out concert was with a group called Ground Up. Love Ground Up. Check. Yeah, no longer a group, unfortunately. Shout out to Alexander. Alexander Charles, Charles. Beige Links, absolutely. What's good? Um, so my first sold-out concert was Ground Up in my basement. And they were managed by my buddy, Frankie. Okay. Frankie Centella. Frankie is a beast of a manager, was always a beast of a manager. And after college, he got an internship at Bad Boy Records. Mm. From 2013 or so onward, he's been building his way up through Bad Boy Records to Revolt to all things Combs Enterprises. And today, Frank is Diddy's day-to-day music manager. (laughs) Talk about a success story of rising through the ranks of a company. Absolutely. Frankie has been the man uh, the whole way through. So that relationship is now obvious of how this all, how this might have started because he's the day-to-day manager of Diddy. He's a longtime 10-year-plus friend of mine. And we've always stayed in contact throughout the journey, right. always caught up, et cetera. Um, one day in the middle of like the, the, the heat of the pandemic, uh, while I'm like, sheltered in place in, during the quarantine, I remember Frankie giving me a call and was like, yo, you know, I really would like to pick your brain because Puff has this interest in investing into the future of black creators and really trying to create a space for young creators to have the tools that they need. Nothing more important in American culture in the world, realistically. Facts. So he's like, do you think we can have a conversation about maybe we can hire you to consult consult us on building this out? And he specifically wants to do it in Miami. So that was intro of an idea. That's like a, a seed planted into my world right. of like interesting. And what where so this is 2020, 2021? Like yeah, this is at, at 2020, 2021. Yeah. Probably late 2020, maybe very early 2021. And we remember I remember viv- very vividly this launched right before COVID happened. This beast of a, of a yeah. space. We opened our 10,000 square foot creative center 
uh, December of 2019. So only three months of finally opening a multi-million dollar creative facility to then be shut down for over, over Which, a year. by the way, Foxtrot played the opening. Don't Absolutely. ever forget Grand that. opening, Foxtrot and the get down. But I, I want to I ask this before we get further into the Diddy story. Because we talk so much about the impact of COVID on creative community, musicians, and kind of, we, for the lack of a better word, got thrown to the wolves. We, nobody's ever fucking dealt with this before. Facts. But I remember you, me and you had a lot of conversations me being like, just in my own head, being like, fuck, that's terrible timing for Rec, because that's mm-hmm. bullshit. And then all of a sudden, you guys find a way to get through it. Yeah. And like, what, w- what was the headspace like for you when all this is going on and you're like, I just created my dream and then now it's it's been stopped dead in its tracks? Yeah. But realistically, it didn't. But in the time, it must have felt like it, right? Yeah, I mean, I thought we were done. Yeah. Um, you know, we just, we just opened. We were building momentum. Things were going our way. And now we're closed. We thought we were closed for two weeks. Next thing you know, we're closed for over a year. Right. Um, and you know, if it wasn't for the government funding, we would have been done. Right. You we, you guys were very smart in the way that you did everything. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Really grateful for all the different funding programs, both locally and through the federal government. We applied for it all, got accepted for some of it, and that was what made it happen for right. us because our rent did not stop. Uh, we, you know, our, our, la- our landlords were able to help us in some way, but it not all the way. And to, you know, it's very expensive to be in center downtown center city in a 10,000 square foot space yeah. that no one's using. Um, so it was really navigating with my business partners, you know, shout out Will, shout out Ryan. Shout out Will and Ryan regardless. Yeah. Dude. Regardless for sure. Regardless. Um, and you know, it was the, definitely the hardest up to that point, easily the hardest thing I've ever done dealt with yeah. having to furlough my some of my best friends who had to, you know had to had to cancel stop their employment uh after we just had all this momentum um shout out to scarlet another person to scarlet. shout out because she, she was the only person who stayed working uh like employed because we still wanted to serve our members and right. that's her core job right um so we had a you know the whole space was shut down so we said hey how do we provide that value digitally so as many companies did we pivot to digital digital programming uh, Zoom meetings with our members, working with our business partners. Shout out WXPN, uh, you know NPR's affiliate out of University of Pennsylvania, who were one of our first partners to say, "Hey, how can we support your community during this shutdown?" Right. We launched a grant program, a hundred thousand dollars plus of grant funding right into the hands of our members that needed it the most. Unbelievable! Uh, and that was the stuff that we were spending a lot of our time doing. Right. And you know, we were greatly impacted, obviously as were many folks, even in the, if we remember the, the crosshairs of the George Floyds and the protests, yep. so like um, we wanted to be a place, a safe place, a brave space for yep. our community during that time. Cause we serve 70% uh, creators of color. Right. Uh, and we are an outlet for those folks to, to gather and convene. So space shut down, protests and riots. How can we be um, a resource to folks? And even me as a, as a white leader of this company right what's my role in all of that right. and that was extremely challenging to you know, like what's you know who will i be um, during this adversity right as a leader through the pandemic as a leader through uh all of the protests that were happening and, yeah. the, and the social injustices so 
crazy experience and I'm just really grateful to be here. I'm grateful every day now that we can gather and still have this space. I think about this all the time whenever I think things are, are I'm having a frustrating day, right? Mm-hmm. Things I'm not exactly sure what's happening. I realize that probably that's the toughest it's ever going to get. <laughs> like just on a pure I don't know what the fuck is happening day to day moment. Yeah. But I think you guys did such an amazing job of getting through that. And I mean, you, you bring up too as two goofy white guys sitting here like i really i've always loved and appreciated the way that rec gives the platform to artists of color and different and people from different backgrounds because realistically we live in philadelphia we live in america and there's nothing that's more important than the art in the art community than the art created by you know black creators because that's the basis of all american music yeah it's the most influential type of art in the world yeah in the world and uh yeah. i mean but so we we get through covid right we'll, we'll just fucking go past that because yeah. we could sit here and write for a book sure. on that right for sure so the initial conversations start happening with diddy yeah so the seed was planted with frankie right about the idea of consulting us because he has interest in miami so that's the seed and then during the pandemic when we're doing all of our digital programming will my business partner who's responsible for all of our digital programming and the outreach to different talent he ends up booking Lindsay from revolt right as a panelist on our digital program and little did we know that that was about to be the the key to open up another seed it was another seed and this seed blossomed very quickly um because after the digital program where Lindsay was talking with Will, I forget what they were talking about, but something in the creative entrepreneur space, she I remember she messages Will independently and she's like, I love that. Right. And I love what you guys are doing. And like I learned even more in this program that I didn't realize before. I want to introduce you to Tarek Brooks. Tarek is the president of Combs Enterprises. And you said, yes, I would like to meet him. And, and he's also <laughs> from Philadelphia. No shit. Yeah. And that, so Will's like, absolutely, let's, let me have a conversation. I remember Will independently took the call with Tarek and Lindsay and they, they all three of them met and Will reported back. He's like, yo, Tarek's like loving what we're about. We need to set up a meeting where we all get together and figure out how this is going to work. What, what partnerships can exist? And, uh, I remember like, they're like, Hey, like, why don't we start by doing something? They're like, Hey, do you think you can give us some creative ideas for like a Ciroc commercial or a De Leon commercial? And we're like, yeah. And we're, <laughs> yeah. And, and I remember that opportunity was so important to us. Yeah. We dropped everything. We're like working in, working in the studio hella late. Like, yo, we need to come up with great ideas. We, we need the, their, the Ciroc team and the De Leon team to, to want to work with us right. because who knows what would happen after that. And that was like. That was that beginning. Yeah. So now we have Tarek knowing all about us and me, Will, and Tarek having these conversations about like, what does it look like to have a deeper partnership? And then Frankie in my ear of like consulting, Miami, like, can you help us? What should we do? And I remember telling Frankie, I'm like, yeah, we're talking to Tarek about like deeper partnerships. You're talking to me about consulting. We're about to, ex- we, like, we want to expand. We weren't about to, but we want to expand. Right. What if... Miami is our next city and Diddy just invests in this in rec instead of consulting and you doing it yourself yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and Tarek's looking for a way to work. Why don't we just all come together and, and do this? If thing we for all real? have a great idea, it's in the same general area. Yeah. Why don't we just combine forces here? And we did. Yeah, I dude, I just <laughs> like I can't explain to you guys because for those. By the way, we're on the charts in 16 fucking countries. Hey. So not everyone knows what we're talking about. Hey. here. <laughs> Rec Philly is a creative space. It's a creative community. And 
it's always been explained to me and what I've utilized it as is basically a creative gym membership. Where you come, you have access to different podcast studios, uh, music studios, digital studios, fucking like actual physical space to take photographs. Yeah. And I can speak from my firsthand experience and say it's been one of the reasons why I've gotten to where I've gotten to. And I love, love and appreciate you for that. But if I can tell you how hard I've watched this motherfucker work, <laughs> like how many times I've come in here and he's just been in here looking like you've been up for three days. Like probably was. And you deserve <laughs> All of this, dude. I appreciate you. You really do. And I I mean, just was there ever a point in this entire process where you actually sat back and you're like, oh, my fucking God, this might actually like when did it finally sink in where you're like, this might actually happen? You know, we were. I don't know the moment that I I think this might happen. I know the remember. I remember the moment that I was like, it's happening. Yeah. Um, It was really challenging because we had a first pitch Tarek. Right. And then he goes, okay, let's, let's meet our guy, Jay, who does the investments. Cool. Then it was, you got to meet the Tavio who runs revolt. Go pitch him. Cool. Boop. All right. Uh, pitch the, the full group together. Okay, cool. There's another person that didn't get the pitch pitch over here. Yeah. We met everyone at Combs yeah. enterprises, all amazing people, all super influential, but they all needed to hear how it was going to plug into their world. Cause it, if we're going to do this, Partnership, it needs to make sense for everybody. Right. And and Combs has a ton of different companies and branches and partnerships, and we want it to be a resource to all of them, so they all needed to hear about it right. to collectively say, this is a good idea mm. to do it. I think I like the number one thing I've taken away from this so far and that I think is like good to disseminate to other people who are listening to this, right? As two idiots who have somehow found themselves <laughs> into miraculous situations, when you're going through a situation where you're trying to make something momentous happen you know what i'm talking about like a big moment people think it's just like you send an email and you get it back and you're like yep congratulations there are 50 <laughs> stops along the way where you have to prove yourself or pitch somebody else or you don't think it's gonna happen and then you get an email that's like okay this might be the next avenue like there are so many things that need to happen in order for something big to happen, especially when money's involved like that is the number one thing that people think like oh i have this great idea everybody's gonna love it but until you can prove that it's financially viable, like it's never going to happen unless you have some sort of ungodly, like miracle happen. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like eighteen months. Yeah, it took us eighteen months to get through everything and make the announcement. Um, where I thought it would take three months. Okay, so eighteen months. But how many years in the making is ten years? Foxtrot, ten years. Like, ten years. dude, this shit does not. No matter what it looks like to anybody on the outside, you know the nuts and bolts where you can say like. This has been my entire adult life. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's all I know. And to be honest, I was talking about COVID being a really hard, uh, challenging thing for our business. Not like Combs specifically, but from the beginning of looking for our, Mi- our Miami property and this this investment opportunity with them, the way and how and how long it took to happen was even more mentally challenging yeah. than dealing with the COVID situation. I, I I will agree on the fact that almost the, like the getting ready for post-COVID world mm. where you're like, okay, now there's nothing in our way. Right. There's also no excuse. Like there is a part of me we've had this conversation on the podcast before that it was like during COVID it was like, oh, well, I can't, I can't do that. You know what I mean? But like now it's like, all right, everybody expects you to be right back to where you were yeah. before the pandemic. Yeah. And that might be why it was even more challenging because my, my mind was so like, I'm just, you know. I'm just sitting in a pandemic. Like, yep. no one expects much of me. Yep. Like, 
XYZ. And then as soon as I'm out of quarantine, we're working on multi-million dollar deals to expand our business. Yep. And I'm like, whoa, this is very taxing. Yeah. And then just every, I remember when we thought the deal might happen with Puff, every day was a day that I thought the deal was going to happen. Yep. And I was telling my team, it could be the day, it could be the week, it oh, could be the month. Yeah, dude. And every night that it didn't happen, I'm like... I don't think it's gonna happen, dude. Every night, I don't up. think this. I think they're gonna go in a different direction. Yeah, and I'm like super paranoid, super anxious, and that's why it was so tough for me mentally because that was the case for so many months. Yep. Of every morning, it was the day, and every night, it wasn't gonna happen. <laughs> dude, how about every time somebody will hit you up who's on the inside, who knows kind yeah. of the nuts and like, oh, what's up with Diddy? Yeah, what's yo, up with Miami? Oh my god, I'm like, I, it's going. If I had a dollar for every time I go back to Northeast Philly and I see somebody, I'm like, yo, what's up with Barstool, dude? Like, where are you getting? Yeah. The, I'm like, shut the fuck up! I don't know. I'm, I'm trying. Just, I'm trying. I'm trying my artist. And I think, like, yo, from a creative standpoint, and from an artist and a musician and a business owner, like, yeah. there are so, like so many things that people will never see because you don't allow people to see that. Yeah. And if people did see every inner working thought that you had, they'd be like, this guy's a fucking lunatic. This dude is fucking <laughs> this crazy. A fucking lunatic. Yeah, but man. I will ask you, like, how do you how do you manage that like do you have a routine that you stay in where it's like i try and get up and i do this yeah. to try and keep my head straight like what what do you do yeah so for one for a long time i didn't and never put me in a really bad place yep. um this is when any anytime anyone asks me that i always go right to shout out my team yep because my team has always been my support system from scarlet to, to chris to huff yep. to justin and then my partners will and ryan like they hold me down yeah you know they're i can always go back into a meeting with them and they remind us of how far we've come, yep. how impactful it's going to be on them. It's always a good reminder of like the people I serve and realizing we're doing real work that yeah. really changes people's lives. And like, I'm here for that reason. Right. You know, I'm going through this for that reason. So that's, that's what holds me down. But when it comes to like personal well being and balance, yeah. um, for a very long time, didn't have a routine. It's the reason why I have no hair on the top of my head. <laughs> By the way, that looks great. Thank I just you. want to say that. Thank like, you. I might have this, but I don't have this. So you're yeah. rocking the beard strong. I, I appreciate dude. it, yeah. Um, it's a long time coming. Um, I got really into running. Um, start all my days off with running. Yep. Uh, a mile or two. I'm, not like, I'm got, flat-footed Jew, got, so I'm not running that far. But You're flat-footed too? <laughs> oh, yeah. My shit is plank dude it's the only reason i'm not in major league baseball right now other yeah, yeah, than the same. fact that i'm a five yeah. nine and a half goofy white dude like that's it you know i'll blame my flat feet yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so i got i got big into running that's a great way for me to start my mornings clear clear my head i usually go right from a run i like end it in a park near my house and do a little meditation which is nice five or ten minutes yeah. just to think about how grateful i am to be where i am today yeah. um yeah i journal at night it helps me go to sleep Picked it up during COVID. Yep, dude, same. oh my. Do you ever go back and read your old journal entries? And you're I love like, them. Oh, I love <laughs> them, dude. I was there's, on some shit. <laughs> there's some nights I'm in my bag and I'm just like like writing the most existential shit. Yeah. And then some days I wake up and I'll, like literally some of my journal entries will be like, dude, you're the fucking man. <laughs> you were a beast. You can dude, do this. I, I fully diddy out. Anything yeah, I yeah. want, I will get. Yeah, same. Oh my God. Uh, some self-talk before I go to sleep. That that really helps me go to sleep. It helps, yeah. It's really awesome reading, reading and reflection. 
Um, so those are my main things. Um, you know, the reading and the meditating in the morning, uh, or running, running and meditating in the morning. Try to read as well as much as I can. But um, and then the journaling at night. I've recently picked up personal training, just like fitness personal nice. training. Shout out my dude Brandon over at the gym Philly. Um, but that has pushed me out of my comfort zone, yeah. uh, given me more energy to do the things I need to do throughout the day, uh, and really push myself um, to my limits. And um, that I encourage a good investment in yourself. Um, to hold yourself accountable for those fitness goals. So yeah. that's been nice. Yeah, you look good too. Thanks, my guy. I, I, told, guy. I love this man. I can't explain <laughs> it. But, I mean, the, I think the thread that connects me and you, and it doesn't connect the rest of the podcast because I have two dickheads in Chicago and I have one in LA. <laughs> but Philly is where me and you bonded. And not yeah. just necessarily like inside the city, but on the soul of the city and what we saw potential in the city and the fact that we would ride and die for this place. Facts. But like... I know you're expanding to different cities now, but why is this so important to you? Why is this specific city so important to you? Why is Philly so important to me? Why is Philly so important to you? I mean, it made me who I am. Yeah. You know, I grew up in the suburbs yeah. uh, until I went to Temple, and then I've lived here for the last close to 15 years. Yeah. Um, and when I came to Temple, you know, I was a pretty sheltered, um, didn't have a lot of city experience, yeah. didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. And everything I know now, everything I want to be, the amazing people that are in my life, they all come from the city. Yeah. And I really felt like the city molded me. And more on top of that, the way in which opportunities came to me from the resources in the city. Right. I don't know if, I can't speak on other cities to say it wouldn't have happened otherwise. Yep. But like as a 21 year old, like I was in the Comcast building talking to like the head of Comcast's like entrepreneur program and they like, just took they just took a coffee with me because I reached out on Twitter and they like, yep. wanted to be an ambitious young entrepreneur. Meanwhile, Comcast is one of my biggest partners today. Right. And it started from just like a coffee meeting. It was like I think it's the accessibility of some very influential people. Yeah. You know, that I don't think you're gonna get in New York or you're gonna get in LA or some of those major cities that Philadelphia, the accessibility of Philadelphia to get to the things that you desire. I think are so achievable there and I owe a lot to the people that gave me those opportunities yeah. and I owe a lot to just the city and the way it's been built that allows me to experience that. Yeah. Between that, just molding me through Temple and who I who I am, but probably most importantly are the are the creators that it's like all I know in yeah. my adult life is is building this platform and meeting such amazing talented people from this city. Yeah. Man, it feels like every day I, I'm I get put on to someone new. I'm like, they're here. Like, yeah. they're they're on eighth and what, dude? I say this all the time. There is no city in the world, pound for pound, person per person, that is more talented than Philadelphia. Yeah, we just haven't traditionally gotten the shine that a New York or a Nashville or an, or an LA has, yeah. and it's always been important to me to say, all right, the path might be quicker or easier. It might not be if I go to LA, New York, or Nashville, but at least there's history there. Yeah. There is a chance right now with everything going on here that we can turn this into one of those cities. Right. Then again, do we really want to? Well, that's just why I'm excited about the news with Puff. Right. Because it puts, it, you know, the headline is Philadelphia-based startup yep. gets this investment from Puff to to grow what is already happening here in Philadelphia, which is a which is a which is an incubator of local talent. Yep. You know, it puts the global uh, awareness of Puff into this, this microscope of okay what is happening in philadelphia that puff would invest in right and then it's a they start dissecting what's who are the creators that made this successful yep. 
And, you know, everyone's like, oh, you're all, it's all about Miami now. It's like, nah, man, like we did this for Philly. Yeah. We did this for Philly to then grow beyond, but it's now, it's a Philadelphia story um, that will always have roots in Philadelphia and that can grow beyond that. So it, don't let anybody ever get to you and be like, oh, so you're leaving now? Because yeah, no. that is that is a very traditional Philadelphia thing to do yeah. to where it's like, I, I always say this, dude, like I live, I grew up in Northeast Philly and I live in Maniok. It is 25 minutes down the boulevard. To this day, I still have my friends and my mom who says, like, oh, you live, like, three hours away because I live on the other side of the city. Like, we do have this tendency from time to time to if somebody does go off and do something, be like, oh, what, they're better than us now? Right. But that that's part of what wreck I like about it is that and what everything that everybody's built here is it's like we don't need to, like, we're getting past that now. Yeah. Like, I, I this sounds corny, but I think even, like, the Eagles winning the Super Bowl and and things like that. and Go like. Birds. Go, go birds, obviously. We'll get into that later. But um, like, I feel like we're shedding this little brother image in a certain perspective. And I think people are starting to look at this place and be like, especially on a creative level, like, oh, you have Uzi, Jasmine Sullivan, Loka Connie, T.R. Wack, like million dollars worth of game. Like, what the fuck is going on over there? Something's in that water. Something's in the water, dude. And I, <laughs> I take it with me everywhere I go because the first thing you know about me is when I talk, there's. There's no mistake where I'm from. It's Jackson. it's a curse and a blessing all at the same time. But what you guys have done is really allowed people to say like, oh, fuck, I am from here. I don't need to go anywhere else. Yeah. Like, that we can build this here, dude. Yeah. Like this, That has to be a point of pride. Yeah, man. It is. And, you know, folks, uh, the, the folks that are like, oh, you're leaving Philly. It's like, you know, we talk to musicians all the time. You know, you have you have to leave the city. You have to go on tour. Yes, you have to leave you know? in order to further yourself. You, you can to, still live here, but you do have yeah. to go. Somewhere. You have to have a residency in some place. You have to, you know, have you know, one just to be a human and and see different things. Absolutely, it doesn't leave the city. You know, we've built a platform here that is not going anywhere right. for the next 15, 20 years. That's here. Right. No matter where Dave is, we're going to look to go expand the platform because we're not just it's not just a philadelphia problem right that would be selfish to not want to go further absolutely you know creators in miami and creators all around the world need a platform to have opportunities to access the resources that's that's what we're here for i mean that's been your mission statement from day one empower creators to do more of what they love that's what it is and i I do think like we i think everybody knew that the uh, the plan is to like wasn't there originally I, I'm throwing this way back do you remember when there, somebody made a wreck I think it was wreck Chicago or something account? someone made a wreck metro wreck metro that's what it was dude Killed and me. I remember hitting you flipped up. our logo made it black and white and they made, called it wreck metro I remember hitting you up being like yeah this dude who's like following yeah. me on twitter and you're like cease and desist what the fuck <laughs> lawyer <laughs> But no, I I think like and now you have the eyes of one of the greatest creative entrepreneurs of probably maybe maybe the greatest. I, I top mean, three, top three. That's the conversation we're having right now. Is yeah. like, but like I I just find the the whole background of this story and the fact that there were so many little moments and so many people you had to meet along the way. But I think the one thing that people might miss on that is it all started from a relationship that you had built. In a co- in a college environment, like you don't know who along the way is going to be the linchpin that winds up taking you to the next step. So yeah, you man. always have to be good to people. Like I think that's a big thing. Man, people are so focused on on who's above you. Yep. And like I gotta get I gotta get to that person, and they will be rude and ignore the folks that are right next to them. Yep. And that is by far one of my biggest learnings. Is man, like 
one, you got to give, always got to give, you got to be kind, but like, man, like you got to treat folks with respect and you got to build real relationships with your people. Yeah. And whether it's Frankie or it's you or it's any of our members, I mean, it's it's all about relationships and it's about the relationships of the people who are right next to you, left and right. Like I've gotten more out of the people to the left and right that I'll ever get from anybody else. Agreed. And I- that's only going to keep manifesting into more and more because we're all on this together. We're, like, so many people have been commenting, yo, congrats, brother. Yeah. I'm like, yo, we're in this together, yeah. man. Like, we're all rising right now. The whole rising tides. I They lift all boats. Dude. Yeah, man, we're, we're doing it. And I'm seeing it, whether it's Lewis at Voices in Power, who's like one of the most extraordinary poets and entrepreneurs, whether it's you doing the podcast and the band, you know, there's, we're, it, there's this energy around the folks that are in our community right now. Yeah. And that's what I love about what we're doing, that we can spearhead an announcement like this because it just reminds folks what's possible. I, that's why I texted you right away and I was like, dude, first of all, I called you. <laughs> I called hey, Dave, I called Dave <laughs> when, when uh, I saw that they were making an announcement. And me and Dave had, the, had this conversation like a month ago just being like, something might be happening. Yeah. Something might be happening. I called him. I'm like, all right. What the fuck's this announcement? I know. I'm, my exact phrase was, all right, you squirrely motherfucker. What are you dropping for? Yeah, what's going on? <laughs> and uh, but I think from the long and short of it, like you can also see the pride on the people in the city. And you know, sometimes you make an announcement and people will comment and you'll be like, I know you weren't really down for the ride. Yeah. Dude. But there's so many people that I've seen, like the pride in Bruce Warren, who yeah. is obviously like, a fucking fan, like he's a family member to all of us. Bruce is like kind Absolutely. of the shepherd of the community, yep. but to see the pride that he has in this, obviously yeah. I'm sitting behind the XPN studio yeah. sign, but just overall, man, like I-, I got a little bit emotional thinking about just the last couple years for all of us. Yeah, man. Like I really like, I think back to this, we did firefly together. Yeah. You came with me to backstage to Bon Jovi. Yes, sir. There's a great video of me hugging you after and then <laughs> screaming. Um, South but by? like South by, which, mm-hmm. by the way, feels like six years ago, or it feels like two weeks ago. I don't really know anymore no. because it's like time doesn't move the same mm-hmm. like anymore. Yeah. But I just in the end of all of this, like this is the beginning, which is the scariest shit. That it's ten years and this is the fucking beginning. Yep, just the beginning, man. Like, where where do you? <laughs> this is the corniest, most stock bullshit question for a not stock <laughs> interview. But like, where things are moving now, like, do you have a trajectory? two, three years down the road where you're like, okay, this is the next thing I'd like to check yeah. off my list. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to rec, you know, the most important thing right now is to continue the the impact in Philadelphia. It's to get Miami open, like build the actual space, right. get that open, be one of the community down there and do that right. And then I would like to see rec fill in the blank city for another at least three cities right. within the next three years. Yeah. Want to have five of these in major markets in in the United States, so we can so uh, so an artist can start routing a a tour around the country and know yeah. that they can do it around rec. Right. And they know they have, they have a home base wherever they go. No matter right. what kind of art, whether you're phys- you make painter, designer, a band, a right. solo artist, a rock artist, a hip hop artist, I want you to be able to lean on rec as that as that hub, similar to. I'm an entrepreneur and I'm about to go do travel around the country. Like, where's the Soho houses? Right. You know, we want to have oh. that. We want to be that same type of thought, but for our content creators who actually need the tools. That's a great, that's a, uh, that puts it into perspective exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Like, it almost feels like a creative hostel to me to where it's like, I, got, I yeah. need a place to work when I go to these other places. I need a place to stay. Yeah. I need a place to get things done. That is a big thing too when you are on tour or you're just out working in different areas and like, 
you might go i might go work in nashville or something like that and i'm like okay but where do i go right and i think a lot of people get caught in that where it's like all right i can buy a plane ticket yeah and i'd like to get my foot in an industry city but it's like i don't exactly have anywhere to fucking go you need a community anybody. yeah you need a community it's exactly what you need and that's what i'm excited for rec to be for our creators right and i think you're doing an outstanding job i'd never bullshit you i've never bullshit you before you've never bullshit me never. which is something i'll always appreciate <laughs> no doubt but to, to wrap this up i i do have one thing i'd like to, to bring up because i feel like you guys have been early on certain things I think you guys were definitely early on Tierra Whack. Uh But can you tell the Uzi story? Of South By? How much did you book Uzi for? (laughs) So it was such a huge moment for me, for my company that wasn't even called Rec at the time. We were transitioning. like We were having an identity crisis. What year was this? 2015. 2014 to 2015. Um, But we had an opportunity to plan a South by Southwest showcase. Mm. we didn't even have it. We didn't have an opportunity. We wanted to create right. the opportunity, and we were going to go heads down and make it happen to to host one of the first ever Philadelphia based music showcases at South by Southwest, yeah. and not just like one that's like, you know, uh, not real. And it's like, in a parking lot. Yeah, no. This we wanted a real one promoted by South by on their schedule. So we teamed up with a, another local organization. What scene? Um, it was us and What Scene, and we're like, yo, let's let's plan this festival lineup. And while we're planning it, we're going to go look for a venue and we're going to go reach out to South by to, to make it official. It seemed just as much as Puff seems unlike, seemed unlikely to me 18 months ago, this moment seems so unlikely to happen. Right. To find a venue, to book the town. We had no money. We had no money. We had no experience. We were just starting in this whole journey in 2014. Long story short, we found a venue and I found the right South by contact. Actually, the venue connected me to the South by Contact. It made a lot of sense. Yeah. And I said, hey, we would like a plan official showcase. They said, great. What's your lineup? You need to have a certain caliber of artists for this to be an official lineup. Right. And I gave them a long list of like names to be like, who on this list would make it official? <laughs> Uzi wasn't even one of those names. Really? <laughs> yeah. Jesus. I didn't even know who Uzi was. Yeah. It was what scene. Shout out to them because they were the ones who really put it on my radar. Yeah. Um, but one of the names was OCD Motion Twist. Oh my God! This is prime. Me and you were the same age, so yeah. like this is prime college. Yeah. fucking that—that that was the name that they say we needed to get to make it an official thing. Yeah. So we got him. We we somehow got OCD Motion Twist. Ground up. Back to the story with Frankie. Yeah. Ground up and OCD were like a very similar like college type of hip hop group. Yeah. And then I remember uh, Brandon over at what scenes like yo little Uzi like he's he's bubbling up. The, the the guys at what scene were always like ahead of the time like with like local talent yeah, yeah. um and i'm like yeah let's do it uh, i like started googling who little uzi vert was and I'm like yeah we got him 500 bucks <laughs> and i was like cool what's a new what do you think it costs to book uzi now 500 easy, easy. <laughs> um so 500 bucks little uzi south by southwest show happens he's on like at 11 o'clock no one's in the room I remember him walking in with DJ Drama. I'm like this young entrepreneur, white dude, no idea who Uzi is. And I remember them walking up the steps to the show and like they're just like right in my face. Oh, like super, so... super like, uh, like I'm about to be the next big thing. Like, and who the fuck is this white, yeah, yeah, white yeah, yeah. Jew kid trying to tell me where to go? Oh. And I'm like, oh yeah, you guys are on in a couple. They didn't say, they just, they like looked at me like I was a wall and kept walking. I was like, okie dokie. Yeah. So I'm like, yo, I'm like, yo, Will, like Uzi's here. <laughs> Lil Uzi Vert's here. Okie dokie. So anyway, he, he, I remember he performed. Um, what do you want? 
what do you want? Yeah, I don't yeah. know why I just sang it to the mic, but no, do that. I like that. I like that. <laughs> that was like my that. team's anthem. Yeah, not before because I didn't know him, but after it became our anthem. Yeah. I remember that was like our recap videos uh, song, and I have some video clips. If we want to throw that in, it's pretty I'm funny. I'm assuming that's going to be Chase Valdeseri. Was Chase involved at this point? Mm, no, no, mm, I don't. Maybe it's a it's a strong maybe. Yeah. It's a strong maybe. I know we shot Uzi at one point, so yeah. I'm assuming it's the early days. Yeah, but I remember he performed to nobody. Unbelievable. No one was there to see him. People were there to see OCD Motion Twist. We had a full room, but he was after them. Yeah. And he performed probably to a 15-person room. That's unfucking believable Yeah. And that, that's the story of Uzi. That's the story of Uzi, dude. I feel like that's a great place to leave it because <laughs> we've all played empty rooms. We've all oh, yeah. done shitty events. We've all lived through that. Plenty. And then, you know, eventually you wind up, you know, fucking... Next, next, next year we had Lil Dicky on our side and, oh, and Jazzy Jeff for our South by Show. That's one that you felt more comfortable talking <laughs> Yeah, that was a good oh, one. Another white Jewish guy. Let's yeah, perfect. Go. Perfect. Oh my we got God. Got him for six grand. I mean, now he's. I mean, another two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. yeah. Who, who? All right. Here's the last question. <laughs> who do you think you were the earliest on? Like that you like saw blossom that you were like that. That's gonna be. Um, the first thing that comes to my mind is Armani White. That's my fucking dog, yeah. dude. Um, and I only say that we booked Armani White in 2015 yep. for uh, A3C with Tierra Wack in 2015. Seven years ago. Oh, my God. Armani White and Tierra Wack. Um, but it was even before that that we we built a relationship. He has a, a song called Stick Up. Yep. That shit banged. Unbelievable. And it only had like a thousand views or something. And that yep. shit was good. And I yep. remember we brought him in. So like We were just starting. I'm like, yo, like we want to. We, there's a video on our YouTube of a of, 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 us shooting a, a video of him in our warehouse. Yeah. Super dope. So, you know, and he's just getting the flowers that nationally and globally, internationally that he deserves. We all did. Me, you, Armani. We were all South by 2019. Yeah. We were on that fucking bill together. Yeah. I remember. Hit, oh, right. He was on our South by bill. I yeah. remember hitting up Armani just because I we met at South by and being like, I this guy's a fucking monster. And then he went on tour with Vince Staples. And I started looking up stuff. And I heard Danny Mac, which is something more recent, but yeah. that was pandemic related, yeah. like that time. And being like, oh my God. Then we had him on the early version of the podcast. We had him on oh, really? Kill Your Internet podcast. Cool. And being like, this guy's fucking hilarious. Yeah, like, this great. guy's going to be something. And then I remember seeing the first clip of Billie Eilish and text, like literally texting him being like, yo, Vicious. what the fuck is that? Yeah, and him being like, off. yo, I don't know what's happening right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably the one, Dave. Yeah. I'd say you guys, too. I'm excited for y'all to get your international flowers. Oh, dude. I love you. You're like one of the, not that I don't listen to plenty of our local talent, but yeah. like records in rotation, like that I actually know all the words to, yeah. like few and far between. You know, we have a new record we're finishing right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's you just know, fucking you crazy. I'm gonna send you the, I'll send you the first single that's we coming look out. But to it. If anybody deserves flowers, it's Dave Silver. And uh, everybody. If you're in Philadelphia, utilize Rec Philly. Come through, 9th of Market. S- sign up, come take a tour. Can people take tours? Yeah, free tour, recphilly.com slash store. And then eventually moving down the line, we're going to have the space in Miami. Yeah, Miami construction by the end of the year. We should be open definitely by this time next year, um, you know, summer of 2023. Uh, and we just went through a whole rebrand. So anything regarding like Miami or like the future of our company is at joinrec.com. Uh, but still, all of our social handles are at Rec Philly, and you can still go to RecPhilly.com. Yeah! Hey. <laughs> Let's fucking go! Fucking Diddy Bob, baby. This is unbelievable, dude. <laughs> all right, everybody, check out Rec Philly. Dave Silver, I love you to death. Love you too, brother. I appreciate you. All right, that was my friend, 
everybody's new friend, Dave Silver from Rec Philly. Soon to be Rec Miami. Shouts out to Sean Diddy Combs. Uh, so for question the on, on what, Rec Philly. Yes. Is this, is this sort of like Lyrical Lemonade? Like what we got out here? In a way, they don't create as much. In they have Barber. So they, they give tools to creators. So what it is, okay. basically, it started in a college basement and then moved to a warehouse in North Philadelphia, which is a rougher neighborhood near Temple University. They went and worked their fucking asses off. They put on South by Southwest showcases. They work okay. with Firefly Music Festival. I've worked with these guys for like six, seven years. They're my fucking boys. And what they do is they have, they now have this beautiful space right downtown near City Hall in Philadelphia that is like 10,000 square feet. It's podcast studios, music studios, photography studios, all in one place with a music venue within it. And you pay basically what's a gym membership, like 40, 50 bucks a month, and you get access to all of that. Cool. And it's been an incredible tool in Philadelphia. And now Diddy saw that and they partnered with Combs Enterprises and now we're opening one in Miami and they hope to go to five more within the next year. And these are just dudes from my city, my fucking boys, Will, Dave, fucking Ryan, all these guys, Scarlett, just great people. And um, there's a great story within the interview. I know I we haven't even listened to it yet, but uh, where they found Lil Uzi Vert in 2015. He's one of the biggest rappers in the world now. Yep. Cost like over $500,000 to book him for a performance. And they booked him at South by Southwest for $500 and he played to an empty room. Like they've been super early on a lot of acts. And uh, I'm just so happy for those fucking guys, dude. So please, if you're in Philadelphia or Miami, join up. I'm a member. Do it. It's fucking outstanding. Um, and I can't say enough good things about those guys. But uh, let's go on the list, off the list. Uh, we will let Kenny start first, then Dave, then Rock, then me. So, Kenny, who's on your list? Uh, mine's kind of geeky this time, but I've been doing a lot of writing lately, and I'm lazy, so I don't like to set up amplifiers anymore. And I've been mm. really putting in the work on my Kemper, my Kemper modeling amp that I have, which for people who don't know, it's basically every amp and every microphone in a box that just lives in your thing. You just hit the switch. You never heard of the Kemper? Is, like, it, a is it like a Line 6? Like a line six. Oh my like where you have built in fucking delays and shit. Yeah, dude, it's got everything on it, but it'll model like AC 30s, Fender Twins. Oh, that's actually like, pretty fucking tight. You download online. Like I downloaded all of David Bendith's, who did like all the Paramore records and Fallout Boy records, all of his guitar tones yesterday. And you just one click, boom, it's in there. Now you're playing that exact tone. There's like Jimi Hendrix tones. And Dave, do you remember, Dave, do you remember earlier before we got on, we were talking about a certain band that people always like make fun of and things like that? We're not going to say the, the name or anything like that. It, the Line 6 amplifier is the equivalent of that to where people always make fun of the Line 6 <laughs> amplifier because it's not an it's an amp that has like you can turn the knob and it turns into different effects and shit like that. And that's what I thought you were talking about. I've it, never I've never played a Kemper before. In high school, you like Line 6 stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, fuck off. This is a nerd conversation right here. Holy shit. Yeah. But where do you, is it, so is a Kemper more of like a, like a MIDI thing or is it an actual? No, no, no. It's, I wish I could show it to you. It's like, so they, they're becoming some of the most popular touring stage amps because of the consistency. As a mm. touring musician, you'll know that no matter what your amp settings are in your guitar and your pedal board, every night sounds exactly so different. It sounds completely opposite than it did the night before. Is it, it analog or is it digital? It's like interface. And there's a lot of people who are like, oh, I really like to push air with my amps. And people are like, dude, Kemper's the wave of the future. There's so many AB evaluation videos on YouTube. And like most people can't even tell the difference between a Kemper and the actual amp that it's modeling. I played an AC30 recently uh, working on the new Foxtrot record. And the AC30 is such a fucking solid rhythm the amp. Loudest amp in the history of amps. 
Love it. I play a fucking Fender 410 DeVille Deluxe, and that thing is mean as shit. But it's so ignorant that the AC30 gives it more of like a nice dialed-in thing. This is nerd talk, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't done nerd talk in a while. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, Dave, who's on your list? Uh, Black Twitter. I'm scrolling through these tweets. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Black Twitter is, dude, I, I have it, long said it's this. It's always been the best version of Twitter. It's by the far best version of Twitter by far. Like, nobody is better at the internet than black Americans. It's, it, 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 they're the best in most things, let's be completely honest. But Twitter specifically, if you, when something happens, go right to black Twitter. It's the best. It's unfucking believable. It's unbelievable. Go to Zach Fox's Twitter. Do you guys follow Zach Fox? <laughs> if you don't, do it. It's dude, this guy, he's a comedian and a rapper. Dude, he was just firing off tweets. Z A C K. Dude, he just put a picture of heaven up, like heaven's gates, and he just said, You know, she ain't seeing this. <laughs> dude, he posted a picture of the oh, fucking. Yeah, I'm seeing, I see it right now. <laughs> oh my God, dude, he's the best. He's the fucking best. Did you see all the memes about like, it's like, Kobe Bryant when he sees the queen in heaven and is Kobe Bryant ca- crossing up the queen. Like, <laughs> I showed one to my wife and it was like, that's incredible. I, sh- I showed you ever seen the meme of big boy. It's from a, a music video and, and the, the quote, the, it's just like a two second quote. It's like, I know that's not who I think it is. And it was like, it was like Hitler and bin Laden right now. <laughs> in, in <hell. laughs> Dude, oh, Black Twitter. The greatest Chubbs is going to give her some love. Peace. No, absolutely. Absolutely not, dude. Absolutely not. You're talking about Chubbs from Happy Gilmore? Fuck yeah, I'm talking about Chubbs from Happy oh, he's Gilmore. The, I watched, dude, somebody had, a, I think it was E, had a marathon. I came home drunk as shit the other night, and Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison were on back-to-back, and I watched both of them until 4 o'clock in the morning. Damn. Billy Mad, dude, Adam Sandler had two fucking amazing movies to start out his movie career, back and then for like back. 20 years, it's just been like, I can do whatever I want. Legit just talked about it today. He can do whatever he wants. Two movies. I mean, uh, I'll say The Water Boy. So three movies. Big Daddy. I, he had like a Big Daddy's so overrated to me. Oh, you're so wrong. It's not on the same level as the, the first three. It's deeper. Like, it's not as like, nah, there's not a giant penguin running around chasing somebody around because they're fucked up. It's not Nudie Magazine Day. I like Big Daddy a lot. I think just that whole time period. Adam Sandler really had it like tuned in, man. Like, yeah, Little Nicky, all of those were hits. No, oh, it's I saw all Little Nicky in theaters like five times, and I just sneak <laughs> in each time because I'm pretty sure it's rated R. Yeah. Oh, here's a good question. What's the first movie you snuck into? Because I know mine. Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura? No, Damn, you're like, old as fuck. Like 12 or 13 or something like that. Maybe. What, what, what was that? Like 93, 94? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that makes sense then. I was going to say, I'm like, you had to sneak into that? What's the first um, movie you snuck into, Rock? Um, paranormal Activity, because I had like really strict parents growing up. So uh, like, when I finally was like, <laughs> <laughs> you're like How 17 you? and a that half. Was, yeah, I was going to say, Paranormal Activity was one of the I was just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Like, I was, I was a late bloomer sneaking into movies. All right, guys? <laughs> Mine was actually the first Awesome Powers. Mm. Oh, tight. Mm-hmm. Mine was a bad one. Mine was Wedding Crashers. Great movie. That was the first one. Lots of th- dude boobies. Sick. Because uh, I saw Dodgeball and Wedding Crashers were in the movies at the same time, which is fucking crazy. 
So I went to see Dodgeball, which I'm pre- was Dodgeball rated R or PG 13? No, no shot. It was rated R. No, it was PG 13. 13, yeah. But then me and my brother snuck in to see Wedding Crashers. Definitely and are. Yeah. Definitely are. Great fucking movie. I forget what I was seeing right before Paranormal Activity, but I remember I got out of the theater and I was like, man, fuck this. I just walked. <laughs> <laughs> I never saw it. Was it good? Uh, yeah. You know, I fell asleep, but it was, it was good. I think yeah, I, was funny I was tuckered out. It's one of those things where it's like, that is like that era of movies where it's like, it's all jump scares and like home footage and shit yeah, like yeah. that. That you know what's like, which project? It was a lot of jump scares, but I think what they did really good that you don't really get from movies is like the patience of setting something up. So you did see like, and I think that's like why I fell asleep partway through the movie. Like I woke up and scary shit was happening more frequently, but like when I was watching it, like, yeah, they're like, oh, here's the family. Oh, would you put that TV recorder down, man? Like, like <laughs> it's real life. Guys. And then, you know. You ever see Cloverfield? I love that whole series. I fucking love Cloverfield. Every single one that's come out, I've not been disappointed with. Well, tell me some more things that you love, dude. What's your on the list? Uh, my on the list? Well, I was thinking it was going to be really music focused. So, Bizaire has been doing a song a week. Mm. And the one that he just put out called Broke is actually really good and features a, another friend named Manis. But um, nice. that one, that's like for music this week, that was like my top. But uh, aside from that, I've been just playing the shit out of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Oh, Wait, shit. Are you, like again or for the first time? For the first time, man. I like, I, I stay cool. a little busy, so it's hard for me to play video games and watch movies. But like, Whoa, wait, hold on. What's this on? Switch. It's on a Switch. So okay, I, I so uh, I, I play Call of Duty now. I played with Kenny a few times, but I will take it to the grave, grave that Ocarina of Time is the greatest video game yeah, in the history of one of the best. Oh, dude, yeah, they have uh, on the Nintendo Switch now. They have a Nintendo sixty four emulator that's free if you have like their online, you know, yeah. yearly subscription thing, and they have it on there, and it's fucking terrific with the Switch. But we also have a couple of Nintendo sixty fours here at the house, and. Uh, Dude, they're going. I remember it was a like treat that I got a '64 for my birthday when I when whenever mid late '90s, and I remember it was 120 bucks, and I remember thinking that was like astronomical amount of money at the time. Yeah. I was only you know nine, ten years old or whatever, and they're still going. A lot of times, even more. Like I, you got to find them on eBay and shit, and they're like they didn't lose value. That's how fucking great that oh, Mario '64, Golden Eye, like. Goldeneye, Donkey Kong 64, Mario Party, Mario Racing. I got to pause this. Have any of y'all played fucking Goldeneye like recently-ish? I tried to, but I have a fucking Mac laptop and the emulators wouldn't work right. I was trying to play with some homies. Well, that sucks because it's way better on computer. If you try to play it with the fucking Nintendo 64 controller again with the weird yellow direction, everything about it is fucked up. That was not made for human hands, but like... If you play that on um, on a PC or something like that with a mouse, that game's infinitely better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I no believe. shit. I yeah, oh yeah. Golden Eyes, Golden Eye is something that I remember fondly, but like I've tried to play it and I was like, "Who the fuck made this?" <laughs> That's also why it's cheating when people play Call of Duty on computers. I oh. play on a computer. I still suck though. I think oh, <laughs> speaking of which, I want to give a quick shout out, and this has absolutely nothing to do with music or anything. So. I got the PC and started streaming gaming right in the beginning of the pandemic because it was we were told like, hey, you guys got to go make content. Couldn't leave our house to play video games on and have people watch it. 
So uh, me and Smitty and a few other people, Barstool people, started the whole uh, video game kind of, you know, venture that we did. It's actually gotten pretty big. And we would do this thing called Trout Tuesdays, where we would bring in random viewers from the stream and have them play with us until they until they either lost or won or whatever. This kid named Skullface. He's from Chicago. He was 19 at the time, so he's 21 now. He can legally drink. Um, I have not met him in person. I don't know his real name. I don't want to know his real name. Just some no-name kid from Chicago. This kid is the best Call of Duty player I've ever seen in my life. And he just won last night. He just won the World Series of Warzone. So I got to give him a shout-out. And he blew up after he went on stream with us because all the mainstream guys uh, that that make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year playing video games in front of their fucking computer. Bye, Dave. Damn, Bye, that was Dave. the middle of a good story, dude. Bye, Dave. Didn't care about that story from the beginning anyway. I cared. Don't <laughs> lie. You cared. You love Warzone, dude. I'm just kidding. It was just something mean I could say at the time. Uh, my on the list is football, and I'm a simpleton. Nothing I'm wrong. a simpleton. Enjoy it. Embrace it. I am so fucking excited to edit this podcast tonight and just watch the Bills and the Rams. Not to mention, I just did my fantasy draft the other night. I cleaned up. This is a league where my buddies from college, they text me. Like I had to silence the group chat because they texted literally a hundred times a day. And I just don't, I don't fucking care. Like they, this is their lives. And I won last year as the guy who doesn't answer in the group chat, which is kind of a fucked up thing to do. So I also, I need your opinion. Should I change my team name? Cause my team name has been the same thing for 10 years. And do you want to know what it is? (laughs) Like big nuts 69 or something. Nope. (laughs) It's a reminder to everybody, and this was the 2012 Super Bowl year. It was the Ravens and the 49ers, and my team name was Ray Lewis Killed a Guy because I wanted everybody to be reminded that Ray Lewis was on trial for murder. I have been seeing Ray Lewis Killed a Guy for 10 years. I know. I like that name. I don't think you should change it. That's a solid name. Don't change it. That's got a lot on it. You know what I mean? But I won last year. Do you have a runner-up for it? No, and I was thinking about doing, like, you know, you want to hear the last few of band names I put in that you could use for your run? Oh, Rock, do you know about this? No. Kenny has a running list of band names that he's created that are too insensitive to use. <laughs> oh, I've my God. I want to hear some. I've been making it since high school. Holy it gosh, shit. It, these are all gnarliest fucking band names. I just love sometimes I like to go through like the last five. That's Land so Shrimp funny. is still my favorite. Cage free beats like B E E T S. <laughs> the V's Anzari. Kanye Worst. <laughs> Liam, Nissan. <laughs> Liam Nissan's a great one. Bacon Skin. Bread Anus. <laughs> a Meep of Beakers. <laughs> Pigeon Room. Um, oh, Throat Sweeper. There's a lot of really good ones in here. Go back to like one of the top. Like, uh, what was the one with like Boy Scouts? Little Shardy. Little <laughs> Land Shrimp is still my favorite. Land Shrimp is in here. Grub Buffet is right next to Land Shrimp. There was something about Boy Scouts in there. Uh, was there something about... <laughs> something about a horse cock or something? I don't know what this means. I wish this was under better circumcisions. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, Black Dad oh is a great one. There's so many- Black Dad is a great one. <laughs> Oh my god, yeah. that this was be, under better circumstances. Holy fuck! Yeah. Hold like, on, yo, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. What's up, Dave? 
We can't hear it. His internet's down. We're going to finish the episode without you, but you're on Zoom right here. I don't even know where I stopped. So shout out Goldface. He won 300 grand. That's a lot of fucking money. Um, I got my off the list. It's Collins Collar. It's completely fucked up. And then my next off the list is the picture behind him with the little rainbow circle thing. That thing's crooked. That's also off the list. <laughs> and then the third off the list is the movie Big Daddy because people overrate it. They it. It's not even close. Yo, my off the list is Dave's internet. <laughs> Look at this guy. Yo, I love you. All right. Have a good rest of the episode, fellas. All right. See you, buddy. <laughs> Damn, can't even say it back. <laughs> Damn, he just fucking... Dude, you can't say anything nice to Dave. It doesn't work. He is impervious to human emotion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rook, uh, about this thing, or what was he... Was he talking shit about this thing? He's talking about the, the, the pinwheel thing. It's like an it's like a French painting of, like, the color wheel. Oh, oh, oh. Because I, I was like, this thing? I mean, it might be crooked. I, I'm not good at this. I have a terrible time in my household trying to balance things. I don't know why. It's also because probably... The, I live in Philadelphia in an old row home. The walls are probably fucking crooked. Or I just suck. I don't know. Could be one of them. Our apartment's old as shit. So I'm like, oh, that's crooked. I didn't Are know you in Austin? I'm in uh, LA. Oh, nice. But you're from Texas. Originally from Austin, yeah. Oh, nice, man. Uh, why don't you give me your off the list? So my off the list. Uh, so I watch a lot of cartoons. And I'm really hoping that it, it gets better. But I'm trying to give it an honest shot. But Little Demon, it's uh, Danny DeVito's new show with his daughter. Oh, I've heard about I it. I want to like it. I haven't watched it yet. I want to like it so bad. It's one of those things. It It's also um, Dan Harmon's, one of the co-creators. Of Rick and Morty. Yeah. And so you can see that they're kind of going for like, like I, I really think Rick and Morty did like, they weren't necessarily the first ones to do like the witty, like vulgar ass jokes and stuff like that. But they definitely really made it a little bit more mainstream, you know, coming to Adult Swim. But I feel like, I feel like Little Demon is a little bit of that energy, but it just like, I don't know if it's like the animation style, like the character design. How far have you made it into the show yet? Uh, I'm, I'm caught up. I think oh, you're, so you're fully caught up. Yeah. What's it on? What platform? Uh, I'm watching it on Hulu right now. And it's, uh, I think it comes out on Wednesdays. I heard about it. I heard yeah, it. It's an F, It's an FX product. Yeah. It's one of those, I would say it's worth watching and there's a couple of shows like lower decks um the star trek cartoon like i love that show now i'm a huge trekkie like uh, also star wars everything fuck it whatever but um i tried to enjoy that show but for the first season everybody talks a mile a minute mm -hmm. there's no actual like the characters don't hear each other they just it's all like at rapid fire jokes and so i was like i remember getting really stoned and just being like no man overload so I mean, but my off the my off the list is semi related and it's Marvel right now and I'm a huge Marvel guy. Oh no, what's got you down? The last like three projects have been dog shit. See, I'm I'm a little behind. I just finally saw Spider-Man in theaters for the first um, time. Saturday. Poor bastard, it's all downhill from here. It's it was yeah, Multiverse of Madness ain't good. I thought Multiverse of Madness was okay. I liked it when I saw it in theaters because just for like the fan service, but then okay. I watched it again at home and I was like, it's just okay. It's okay. Uh, Thor sucked and that, that hurts me. It hurts me deeply. Love and Thunder sucks. I heard Love and that. Thunder sucks a bag of dicks. And it's to the point where like 
I got my wife into Marvel too. We went and saw it in theaters. And when it ended, I turned to her and I said, "Oh my god, was that bad?" And she was like, "It was. It was bad." And I was like, "Fuck." You watch Moon Knight? I liked Moon Knight. I haven't seen it yet. I didn't even. I was so disappointed with Thor that I haven't even watched Miss Marvel yet. Uh, I'll never watch. One of my close friends, Bevan, is on that show. Um, and I, I, I want to give it a shot because I, the thing is, I'm like a, a Marvel nerd to the point where I watch theory videos and channels and shit like that, like new rock stars and stuff. Everything too, man. I just, I think the thing is, like, I want to see it for my friend. Like, she's she plays one of the bad guys and it looks fucking like that looks tight. But I think the thing that has me a little turned off from Miss Marvel is that it is. From what I've seen, it looks like it's Disney Channel sitcom setup. That's what it looks like. It looks like C- it could be on the CW. Like it doesn't yeah. like look like Marvel level. And then I watched the first episode of She-Hulk and I turned it off. I've heard, yeah, I, that was something that I really was like kind of looking forward to. I was like, oh man, like I loved Harvey Birdman, Attorney of Law, back in the yeah. day. I was really hoping it was going to be something like that. But yeah, it's it's just not, not executed. Yeah, well, it's just like I went back and I like I love the older MCU so much. And also, we had 10 years to develop a relationship with those characters, so it's that way. But, like, everything was so plotted and everything was so well-written. And now, when you put out fucking six projects a year, it's really hard to maintain that level of writing across. And I have friends. Fucking Robbie Fox from Barstool Sports runs my mom's basement. Huge nerd connoisseur of content. Loves uh, Loved Miss Marvel and loves She-Hulk. And I can't lie to myself and say that I like it. I don't. I don't I like it. Be- similar tip i was gonna say like yeah the previous decade of marvel movies i remember with rose tinted goggles but at the same or lenses whatever but um but the the, the thing is i don't like any of the iron man movies except for the first one me neither Um, i like captain america the first one was really good i liked all the captain america movies to a degree but hold on wait wait i'm gonna get her when she comes back dana come here real quick Come here. Come here. I'd show you something. <laughs> There's Vinny. <laughs> she won't come on camera, dude. Don't have I, tried ca- I tried to catch her. She won't do it. Uh, oh, but I was saying, yeah, the, the, the Marvel stuff, man, I'm, I have been a little disappointed with some of it, but I also remember that there was a lot that I wasn't like, is a little lackluster coming up on the original set. But, dude, they're getting ready for Secret Wars, man. Like, the Beyonder and shit. Like, it's going to get fucking weird. I just hope they do it right. That's my only thing because that is one of the greatest stories in comic book history. I'm nervous. I don't think they're going to do it the exact same, but I I don't know what to expect. I'm kind of just going ah, into because like, I, I yeah, man. Even with even with Infinity War, man, I was there was one fucking thing I wanted to see in that movie that didn't happen. What was I it? I wanted to see Thanos get punched through time. <laughs> I wanted to earliest shit in the comic. I wanted to see. Well, I mean, there's so much about Thanos that they didn't cover that was comic related, like his love of lady death. Like they never talked about that. He was a fucking simp in the comic books, dude. He loved death so much. Yeah. I, I get how they tried to modernize it because I could see how like audiences today would be like, well, that's fucking dumb. But he's yeah, like, that's weird. the social economical thing. Well, the thing that sucks also is now everything is about whether or not Marvel's too woke, which is just a corny argument. Like it sucks, but like they are leaning into it hard on some of these things. Yeah. I mean, those, I'm, I'm, I'm all about the 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 right representation and like a Me lot too. of communities haven't gotten that for a long time. So if they gotta lean into it a little extra, like tight, but it is kind of like 
Yeah, man. There's, it there's- is funny. Like, I love the right wing argument because if you're on YouTube and you fucking in your algorithm pumps out Marvel content, you get so many people being like, Marvel is too woke now and shit. And they're like, it's just not realistic anymore. It's too. And I'm like, dude, you're watching a movie about wizards and aliens and shit. Shut the fuck up. Like, I'm sorry. You're telling me the movie about a bunch of gems that can travel through time and still you're telling me that's realistic, bitch. Dude, everybody just needs to shut the fuck up. And I, I mean, I do like I used I've always used the Marvel movies. I think people really love them because it was kind of an escape from the real world. And I do personally think maybe it might be like a little bit too close to our actual world because I kind of want to escape that. But at the same time, dude, Marvel's done a great job of representation in the past in the past couple of years with like fucking Black Panther and shit. Like everybody loved that movie. Like nobody had shit to say then. And if you did, you're a fucking moron. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It, it People are just looking for something to bitch about. They always are. Any Anytime something gets wildly successful, there's going to be a pretty balanced amount of hate and love. If like, not, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, look at Drake, man. Man's in, insanely talented. I wasn't the biggest fan for a long time. Now I really enjoy his music, but it's like, yeah, man, you still get those people like, Drake, Drake stopped his foot. And you're like, okay. <laughs> Me. Shut the fuck up, dude. Yeah. Cool, oh, man. You don't like Drake. That's awesome. Uh, you know, I don't like crust on my sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I love this guy, Kenny. I told you. <laughs> I, you did tell me you were right. You have a you have a, a permanent whenever you want to come back on, bro. You really do. All right. Well, just let me know whenever y'all have them going on. And I was going to say we're bringing Kenny on the uh, on some of the stuff we got going on Be Real TV too. So, how would you like to watch somebody smoke weed for the first time on Be Real TV? That'd be so sick, Colin. You got to come out to. LA. Oh my god! If you want to come out, bro, like the, the the main show that I do, it's it's essentially this, except in a room where you get hotboxed. I've never uh, smoked weed before in my life. Dude, let's never, never. Bro, you could come in here and just sit down, not smoke weed, and you'd definitely get high. Because like, he's a, white, had, uh, he's a white meathead from Philly. He ain't never smoked weed before. Are you fucking kidding me, dude? Half my band are weed dealers. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? I've sat around it a lot. Do you know how many times I've gotten in the van or the fucking SUV and my cousin, who's a touring guitar player, takes his two mason jars of weed and puts them on the dashboard to tie his fucking shoes? And I'm like, yo, can you get that off the dashboard, please? Like, eh. What's the legalities where you're from right now? Because I actually work in the cannabis industry right now, too, so. I think that there's, there's now dispensaries in Philadelphia. I know my mom has fibromyalgia and she has a medical card, so fucking rad if 60 year old white women from philadelphia are smoking legal weed i'm pretty sure it's getting pretty good out here yeah you know uh kenny hey. give me kenny give me your off the list we'll korean get out of here pop music korean pop music dude i saw this is this is the this is the hill you want to die on yeah 100 I'll, I'll fucking i'll stab myself in the heart over this i just is this because you're vietnamese no this is a rivalry because this is I saw an article yesterday or this morning about that Korean girl group Blackpink yep. becoming the highest subscribed YouTube musician page at over 80 million probably fake. fucking subscribers. And when you look at it, it's like all the Korean pop shit is literally just regurgitated American pop shit. All, just straight up. And it's the biggest fucking thing in the world. It's nutty. I don't understand it. It's not even as good as the American pop shit. It's just fucking like niche. As an Asian dude, that's not like kind of cool to you. Not, not even close. No, if it was cool, it'd be cool. It's not cool. There's plenty Facts. of cool Asian shit, hi-fi and all types of shit. But there's no, they're not. It was. I'm like 80 million YouTube subscribers. Jeez. Do you think that they bought those followers? Kind of like absolutely. Uh, what's the rapper that just put out a music video and it got 200,000 plays in eight minutes? 
<laughs> it was probably yeah. NBA NBA Young Boy, maybe. I, I can't remember who it was, but I remember seeing that and I was like, oh man, like yeah. Like, I mean, can't even be subtle about it. <laughs> Let the I mean, video run for a second. The 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 K-pop circuit is kind of like a, a dark place from everything. It's they're gonna like look back on this in a couple of years and like the 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 handlers around the K-pop world, they're gonna be like, that was some dark shit. Like there because there have been a lot of reports about like they basically like from a young age or go through fucking schools to become yeah, pop stars. It's nutty, dude. It's so and crazy. Shit. I listened to it. Like I ch- checked out Blackpink all yesterday and today. And I'm like, this is like C minus Nicki Minaj. Yes. <laughs> By the way, you will be murdered in your sleep for saying that's that. Okay. No, I mean, see, but that's where me being Asian actually helps because I'm off limits. Are you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's in the rule book. It's in the statute. We can't say anything. We got to just be all smiles. Do you know how hard it is to be a white man? Do you understand? I can't talk about K-pop. Nope. <laughs> this is bullshit. Honestly. Nope. nope. I really wish people would be a lot more sensitive about the white struggle. You could talk you about know, country music and white rappers. You know how bad it actually sucks to be a white dude in his early, like who just turned 30. And in the history of the world, I would have had it so fucking easy. I know more. <laughs> and now I have to have empathy and be a good person. Like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up for this shit. My ancestors didn't do everything wrong in the world for me to have to be a good person. Jesus, oh. man. God, fuck. Dude. Well, that's a good that's a good episode right there. Fuck. Yeah. That's how you get to be charting in 16 countries. That's what I'm talking about. You just talk about the white man's plight and you fucking start bawling. <laughs> oh, I'm so angry. On the guest list, just got picked up by the Daily Wire. Ben Shapiro's our boss now. Yo, any press is good press, baby. That's what I always That's your coming from a Vietnamese guy. That's easy, bro. The, 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 the show on Be Real that I do, man, there's some toxic ass people in the fan base, bro. Like, we had uh, my friend Raul uh, Vega come on the show. He he's worked for uh, Hans Zimmer for the past ten years. What? Yeah. If y'all ever want to have him on, I'll definitely get y'all connected. But um, they had him on, and like he doesn't smoke, so he's chilling. He's getting contact high. He's like a cool guy. He's, you know, he's not this loud personality. He's just a chill, very talented guy. And in the chat, people are like, "Why isn't this pussy smoking? What's he doing? Why is he getting high? What the fuck is this?" Like, Maybe come culture the, the man's coming here to tell you about like how the fucking soundtrack for every james bond movie or fucking dune dark night like yeah damn. dude i was watching some clips of your show too and there was like a debate on uh i think it was the phrase was uh to puto madre or something like that which i've worked in restaurants my entire adult life so i've worked with a lot of dudes who throw that slang around yeah. most of my spanish that i know is what i call but they call kitchen Spanish, which is literally just insult in Spanish. That's mostly and me. I I fucking felt right in line with your I was like, oh shit, I, I know what this means, dude. I always tell everybody the Spanish that I've learned is from people like my friends being like treating me like a little toddler that's just learning words. They're just like, oh man, go up to that guy and say, Que vas a ser puto. <laughs> I walk up to that guy and go, Que vas a ser puto? And he goes, fuck you. Yeah, dude. Literally. Oh, dude, I've had I all my all my because I took two years of Spanish in the fucking Catholic school system of Philadelphia and learned nothing, bro. I learned nothing. I did three years in high school. I don't remember any of it, like uh, a handful of command like questions and shit like that. But like since I moved to L.A., like I again, all I really know is the kitchen shit. But like I've started learning some some like actual sentences and like phrases like I'm 
I'm excited to be able to communicate. Like I had to do that when I went to China. I had to learn phrases. And oh, that's cool. I was the one that I'll never uh, forget is Yao Pai Dui, which is you need to get in line. <laughs> hey, Whitey, get in line. Well, Love that. Because people kept cutting in front of me, and if you don't speak, uh, you know, China, you know, Mandarin or whatever, they take advantage of you because you can't speak up for yourself. So as soon as somebody would get in front of me, I'd be like, tap, 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 Yao Pai Dui, and they'd be like, oh. oh. Dude, they like I, mock me on the way over there too. They like, oh, like oh, I, I, I something. I can understand broken Italian. I grew up in an Italian immigrant's house, and uh, right. basically, if you yell at me or degrade me in Italian, like if you were to walk in and say "statazit," which means "shut up," it's basically like "shut the fuck up." That's my grandmother every morning. Basically, was "statazit," which is "shut the fuck up," and uh, that's now I I went to Italy and brushed up slightly on my Italian and I really tried my fucking hardest to like communicate with people. And the first day I was there, cause my wife was expecting it. She was like, you've been talking all this shit. And the first time I got in a cab and I was like, Oh my God, I can't do this. Kenny, can you speak Vietnamese at all? Uh, a little bit. It's one of those Vietnamese is weird. I mean, Vietnamese is an inflection based language. One of the only ones. So you could say the same word like Nat, or man, one means mom, one means church. It's like, it's very difficult. So I can understand, like my mom's been yelling at me in Vietnamese my whole life. So you, we always say that if she, if you don't understand what she's saying, you're in real trouble. But so I know some, and then I did um long trip in Vietnam where like, there is not like going to Mexico or something where like, most of the stores speak English. Like, no, yeah, it's not like going to France and they hand you an English menu as soon as you walk in. Like Rock said in the Mandarin of like back of the line, the one main thing I took away from Vietnam was maqua, which means too much, too much. Cause they're like, it's this much. <laughs> yeah. You're like, maqua, dude, maqua, no way. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. This was a good episode, boys. I enjoyed this a lot. Yeah. Especially when Dave left. That was great. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. <laughs> we, we do possibly have our biggest guest ever next week. Oh, who y'all got coming on? I can't tell you. Oh, fair. Don't you always oh, I, up like that. <laughs> we also haven't even confirmed it yet. So <laughs> It's just fucking me again. This has worked in the past when we've eluded and hadn't locked things in. Because the last time I, we did this, I'm pretty sure it was Ice Cube in the fucking Black Keys. Like, those oh. are back-to-back weeks where we were like, we might be in Nashville next week. And we were like, are we going to be in Nashville next week? And then we were fucking interviewing the Black Keys two days later. I don't wow. know. If this happens, this is, I mean, it's a cultural reset for the entire world. Like, we will have changed the earth. I can't wait. I mean, Kenny, will you just look at this photograph? <laughs> will you just look at it? Yeah, yeah, let me look at it. Let me look at that photograph. Every time I see it, it makes me laugh. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you getting the reference? No, because you're not getting the <laughs> Oh, be quiet. You're talking about Nickelback? Maybe. I don't know. It could be. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> This could be the cultural reset that the world needs. We'll see. We'll let you know next week. Yeah. I'm waiting on an email. <laughs> if anybody made it two hours into the podcast, you'll know exactly what to wait for next week. But all right, uh, Rock, thank you so much for being here. You have an open minute, but come back whenever the fuck you want. Please get Kenny incapacitatedly high. Oh, that's not yeah. possible. Oh. I already told him, I, I mean, he's about to be outweighing me uh, in cannabis, but I was like, I got three ounces in my fridge if you ever need something. I'm never getting into it. I fucking do dabbies. Oh, I love oh you're a dab boy. Yeah. Well, I also the juice I've been sipping on is 100 milligrams. Nice, nice, nice. My Jesus. man. Kenny, where's your weed at, Kenny? Oh, he hit the bong earlier. That fucking bong rip earlier. It's always within arm's reach. 
<laughs> you don't got juice though. No, I ain't got juice. I used to have water. THC, THC water. water? Yeah. I got some like packets that you can mix into stuff. But yeah, I, uh... We had a couple gallons at the studio and uh, we started drinking it and everybody loved it. We're like, I feel so much more alive and awake. And then, so everybody's just hammering this THC water for like a week and then it was gone. Dude, Stone, have... stoners are getting so creative, dude. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Get, get us high as shit, we'll come up with anything. Yeah. There's like this stuff, uh, my work gifted me three boxes of this. That's like, I think there's 16 bottles per case and they're all like 100 milligrams. And like, I've been sipping on that every day. Like it's a fucking like protein shake at this point. I'm like, go get my fucking kids. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh man. Well, you guys are going to have to get me high eventually. Kenny, yeah, we, do have out to, here. we do have to do an LA week. I mean, it has to happen eventually. I got the spot. Do you though? Now you got two, two. Well, I'll worms. just lock them in a closet and they won't be a fuss for like an hour or so. You know? <laughs> Speaking of which, I think I got to go save them. There's two. Right. Right. We'll keep each other company. Yeah, they're fine. Yeah. Dude, just throw some newspaper on the ground and maybe some wood yeah. chips and they'll yeah. be all right. Be all, right. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, that's another week. We might have a giant week next week. We'll probably still have a giant week, but who knows? Tune the fuck back in. Kenny, anything else for me? Hell no. Fuck Dante. Fuck Italy, even though that's like where my people are from. Um, God save the queen. We're out.